Welcome to the Quantum Biology Podcast, where we break down the practical strategies of the emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. This is your host, Meredith Oak, QBC co-founder and executive coach with a friendly reminder, podcasts are conversations, not consultations. Though if you're looking for one, check out our practitioner directory, or if you are a practitioner, we have an upcoming certification launching July 17th. All the info is on our website, quantumbiologycollective.com. Have you ever wondered why certain symptoms popped up in your life and at that exact time, why they resolved or didn't? In this episode, we play quantum health detective with wellness practitioner, Laura Kisman, as she takes us through her very unique history so we can connect the dots between what was happening with her health and what her living and working conditions were. For example, we find out what happens when you take a young, healthy athlete and put her in an underground bunker filled with radar for 12 hours a day. <laughs> Enjoy. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the QBC podcast. I'm so excited we finally get to do this. Thank you, Meredith. Thanks for having me. All right. So tell us a little bit about what you do right now as a health and wellness practitioner. I am... I term it, I keeps changing, quantum clinician and educator is what I'm at now. Uh, I was calling myself a quantum nutritionist, um, but I do so much more than nutrition. So I do some energy work. I do a um, something called access consciousness bars where people mm -hmm. come here and I hold these 32 points on their head. I do a lot of coaching um, online and, and with people. Um, and that's primarily nutritional, but it's quantum it's it's quantum biology health coaching now, and um, and I do some light therapy. I have red light therapy and another light unit, um, and I teach a lot of workshops. So that's where the educator is. That's really a big part of what I do. And uh, yeah, wow. So who you so you teach workshops in person in your? Yes. Yeah, I've I've taught them in I teach them in my community and I've taught them online as well. It, it, the online started through COVID with just having a means to still reach people, which was a blessing in a way. Yeah, it's because I'm starting recording them and then I can share them with more people. And yeah, no, I, I love them in person though. Yeah, you know, that connection. Wonderful. So uh, so you see patients or clients, I should say, from all different types of backgrounds, and they come to you for sort of extra healing on top of whatever they're doing with their with their doctor or with their other care providers. And you provide that extra level of healing, looking at food, looking at emotions, whatever yes. else might be going on with them. All yes, right. because you can't, as you well know, you can't do it strictly through the physical. You can't strictly do it through the, the mental, emotional. You need to to pair them all together because one, you know, sometimes people can't fully get well if they don't um, address the, the traumas, the mental, emotional stuff. And at the same time, if they're eating, you know, a poor diet, they're never seeing light. We can't get to the mental, emotional as well. So that's where I can't, you know, part of me says, oh, Laura, I should focus, focus on nutrition or focus on just quantum biology, you know, coaching on the light circadian stuff. Mm -hmm. But if I can include the other pieces, I can really get them to the, to their optimal health goals um, because I've addressed things like the traumas. And, and now I forgot to mention, but I'm, I'm studying, I'm over halfway um, to be a classical homeopath. 
And and that's so really, amazing. Yeah, that's really another modality to layer on. Yes. Right. Because yeah. that's something that I actually like to, to clarify a lot, because we have the applied to quantum biology certification of from which you are a proud graduate. With honors, proud. Honors, but if we did, you'd have them. Uh, and I think sometimes because it's a certification, people feel like they're coming in to learn a modality or a technique when really quantum biology is an approach. It's a paradigm. It's a new field of science and a way to look at things. So mm-hmm. learn. So becoming a homeopath or doing the access bars or doing nutrition, these are all things that are compatible about it because quantum biology is more like the operating system. It's not the like, necessarily the actual thing that you're doing with the person yes yeah and um actually I listened to a podcast you did with Heather Shepard mm-hmm. and found it absolutely fascinating it was another aha moment when she mentioned her theory on her traumatic brain injury and how that trauma and trauma uh shock and trauma of being trapped in a car and head injury itself may have changed the quantum spin you know of her own electrons. And so what are you doing with access bars? You know, I know I'm dissipating electrical energy out of their body and it's incredible the results I've seen with, um, I had a a young girl with anxiety. Her her mom didn't tell me till afterwards that she thinks I changed um, her, she was, she had OCD. She was leaning to OCD and she, Mm This, this mother said one treatment and she said, I don't know what you did, but it stopped after that. And then the mother became, she she came to me and became, I trained her to be a uh, an access virus to, to actually do it. Um, oh, wow. Continue on and do it on her daughter, which is incredible. Cool. But, so tell yeah. us a little what that is and how it works, access bars. Oh, okay. Um, this, this modality is probably 25 years old. It was channeled, which sounds really woohoo. Um, and it's, it's holding these really specific points on the head. A lot of them are around the ear, above yeah. The, around yeah, around the eye and around the ear for a certain amount of time. The first time I do it, I do it for an hour and a half. And in one sense, it's like in, injecting a virus of consciousness into the person. Um, that oh, sounds horrible uh, after what we've been through <laughs> in a way. But, but really what it does is um, it actually... I do, I do all these energy pulls before. Mm-hmm. So make sure energy is really running through that person and through me. Yeah. And basically they dissipate electromagnetic energy on different beliefs and thought patterns um, that just aren't serving them and comes through my hands and goes actually out my crown chakra is the theory. And I can feel it. But if I just lightly take my hand off, it, the energy stops. It's, I've been doing it for years now, so it's re- I'm really sensitive to the energy. I didn't actually believe at first. I was, you know, I was skeptical of this. I was in the Air Force, right? So black and white, you know, and uh, this was gray. But um, it just works. And then there's tools that go with it, um, processing tools. And so I give all my clients this I call home play. So they get a follow up email and they have a couple tools each time they come to see me. And that on top of the bars is just brilliant for their their growth um and it just brings light and joy to their life it 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 just it's magic i yeah i say it's magic but there there is science behind it they've done thermography they've done some different 
um, looking at the cells and, and they, the shape of the cells actually changes. So there is, there is science behind it. Right. Um, and, well, and of course, now that you understand quantum biology, you can explain like the mechanism behind it. That's yeah. what I like when energy workers come and, and take the certification. They're like, I always knew everything was energy, but I didn't have the mechanism, mechanism. to explain what was going on. I also do massage, um, not mm-hmm. as much. I, I tend to do more of the, the access bars. And it's, yeah, are, you know, you have to look at what are you doing to the water, the fourth phase of water of that person, right? right? So if you so if you were going to explain why access bars is so um, powerful using quantum biology, like what's what's happening from that perspective when you do those treatments? Well, I can't. I haven't got that far, and I'd love to to really sit down with the. Founders. I mean, like, okay, Sorry, let me reframe. Let me reframe it. I'll ask. I'll ask it the way I asked Heather. Like, what's your sort of theory about what's happening? based on what you understand. So I know how absolutely uh-huh. diligent you are so that you yeah. won't begin to know if you don't so, absolutely know. So, right. so I just say like what you think is happening. <laughs> so, so it is a theory, but I think it's similar to what Heather said. I yeah. think I'm changing electron spin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's and when we talk uh, through, so you can be quiet, they can just go into a theta space. It's like they mm-hmm. say access bars, it's it's um at worst it's it's a relaxing massage and at best it could change your whole life is the same. And so they're very relaxed when you do it. And some people drift off, they they can't carry on a conversation. But if we do carry on a conversation, anything that comes up that brings up charge, um they release and I release. And it's it's a beautiful modality to do as a practitioner because you're you're light and joyful the whole rest of the day, often into the next day. So wow. I, yeah, I, I get excited when someone books the bars. I'm like, oh, great. And especially on a Friday. Hey. So what is the weekend? A little electron like, download. Electron <laughs> download, yeah. Maybe my electrons. Yeah, exactly. And this, But they say it's coming through my hands and going out through my crown chakra. So, and it's discharging electrons or something to do with the skin. Yeah. That's my theory. But I also think there's got to be something with the water, right? That's going to affect mm-hmm the water in the body. Yeah. This, yeah, the cellular water. Okay. So let's skip back a little bit. So you are currently um an energetic wellness practitioner, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> However, and this is what I find so interesting about you, Laura, you started your career uh in the Canadian military. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tell us what you did and what that was like. Okay. Because I have to say, if I met someone with the job that you used to have, and then someone was like, you know what? In 15 years, that person is going to be doing <laughs> energy healing. <laughs> I would say, no, the type of person in this job is not the type of person that would do that. And yet here you are. So tell us. Okay. Um, so I started, I went to military college. Mm-hmm. And my brothers, I had three brothers, very military family. My dad was in the army. We moved around the world all my life. Um, ended up in boarding school because of that. So six years in, in boarding school in New Brunswick, Canada. Loved it. It wasn't one of those horrible places. Absolutely loved it. And then uh, my bro- all my three brothers ended up going to boarding or to military college. And I just thought that looks like a challenge. It was really an immature 
decision on my part. I didn't really care what degree I got. They, I got convinced at the recruiting center that if I'd have a better chance as a woman of getting in, if I picked an engineering field and I thought, okay, I'm good at science and good at arts. So, so I picked engineering and got in. I was the top student and top athlete. So, you know, I think I had a good chance. <laughs> I think I had a good chance of getting in. And uh, anyway, so went to um, RMC. I can fit in, sort of. If you're okay with that, I'll fit in the journey. That kind of, it's a health journey as well. Okay. So went to military college. or went to basic training. Had a blast out in British Columbia. Fit, you know, really fit outdoors. But then we got when I got to military college in Kingston. Um, there was an injury right about the at about the eight ten week mark due mm-hmm. to the improper footwear that we had to wear the girls um, and so I ended up getting plantar fasciitis um, pretty acutely mm-hmm. and so that was, was that was that high heels you had to wear yeah it was a, a World War II vintage shoe that we wore <laughs> and, uh, that was part of the uniform it was and they were just using oh my god it was big money. <laughs> but my my year actually. There were 18 girls that started. Um, we were the fourth or fifth class of girls at RMC. And after the year, 13 of us finished the year, 11 of the 13 had lower body injuries. And we, the physiotherapist actually at military college, she treated us all. And she later went on to do a master's and wrote a paper, submitted it. And that's why we have a flat shoe now for women because of our year. Because, But all those other women got better. But I didn't. I carried on with this plantar fasciitis on and off, like quite bad. I had a chiropractor tell me once, you have the worst plantar fasciitis I've ever seen in my career. Wow. And that was not so good. Then what exactly is that? It is like it's, what it's does it feel like and look like and do to your body? Oh, it's like standing on bruises on like you feel like you're standing on a hard rock with a horrible bruise under your foot. Mm-hmm. You don't want to stand. You do anything to sit. Um, you'd and walking, you can't walk far for me chronically. And I had to give up so many sports, um, yeah. even like something like cross-country skiing, which is quite mm-hmm. gentle. I could only do one every four or five days. And, right. and I, I actually hit it as best I could in the military because I didn't want to lose my career. So right. for, for physical, t- t- you know, tests, I would cycle, cycle was better. And, right. um, I would kind of just hide it to get through my physical tests and, and, uh, Anyway, so then I had a ski accident, which was my own fault. Um, and but it was a traumatic accident. I for me personally, I it was on my kneecap. I, bro- I broke my kneecap. And so that took me out for a long time. And it's it's tough at military college because at that time they called us if you were if you couldn't do drill, um, they called you a spaz. So you were on spaz parade, we'd be sitting watching the parades with our crutches and whatever. And so it was really it was traumatic to be sidelined as well, especially when you've been athletic. And mm-hmm. so, so that happened. Then I switched and I went to Royal Roads Military College, which is a beautiful, most beautiful campus, I would argue, in all of Canada. It's on the ocean. It's in a cat. There's a castle with peacocks and deer. And it's beautiful. And wow, that sounds magical. It, oh, it is. Everybody should go and visit Royal Roads Military College. It's open to the public, actually. And but it's closed as a military college now. And anyway, I went there and things got better because I, I ended up, I had a surgery, a minor surgery, but I did a lot of physio and I was outdoors so much. So I'm just going to 
I'll weave that in hopefully later to explain the, that piece. Then, then of course you graduate and pick your field. And I wanted to be an air navigator, um, but because of my knee and I, I had more complications with my knee and my timing of it all, I couldn't do the course. So I, I ended up in telecommunications. So I was a Sealy uh, officer. So I was a communications and electronics engineer. And I, I studied two years of engineering, realized after two, this was not, I'm not cut out to be an engineer. And I switched to physics and physical oceanography, which was really a physics degree, which by the way, I studied quantum physics, nuclear oh, physics. Oh, that's why you get everything. Okay. <laughs> well, I do and I don't. It's, 30, it's 35 years old, so it's very rusty, but I think it made me more open. That was mm -hmm. the key. And then, of course, we did a little bit of um, ocean, oceanographic biology, if you want to call it that. Very little. It was very much studying waves in physics. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I think I'm more courageous to read a Dr. Cruz blog than the average person <laughs> because he had to learn his, the physics on, on his own. So I figure if he can do it, you know, all of us can do it. But so anyway, then I so from there, I did my training as a communications officer, um, telecommunications officer, and I overdid it. I become a triathlete um, out on the West Coast. We were the first class of girls, by the way. Uh, we were only four of us that graduated. So it was a really, a really neat uh, pioneer thing to do uh, with its challenges, of course. And anyway, on when I went when I went on course for this year, I got away from swimming and biking, which were really good for my knee. And I just was running because I was addicted to running. And uh, again, schoolwork every night, sitting, 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 sitting. I did a lot of physio. Couldn't heal, couldn't heal it. And I got talked into a surgery, which is not done anymore. It realigns the, the, the patellar tendon. Mm -hmm. And that surgery was, again, traumatic. It was a two-hour surgery. Didn't recover well from it. It never run, never really ran again. It was a, kind of like a funeral for me in my life because I'd been a big runner. And get posted to my first posting, which I think you know a little bit about, which is North Bay, Ontario, 666 feet underground as a as a communications officer for NORAD, Canadian NORAD region. Yeah. Oh cool. my God. Yeah. So this is so this is the piece that just blows my mind. Cause we we talk about, you know, if you're looking at things from the quantum bi biological perspective, you want to ask everybody, like, what's your environment like during the day? Are you do you work in an office? Do you ever do you get right. to go outside? And Laura, like <laughs> Well, I worked for 15 years, 600 feet underground. No, only four, only, only four years. Um, oh, four years. Okay. Four years. So you were, you were like down in an underground cave with yes. screens every day, all day. That was. So the first two years I was there, we didn't have computers. Um, right. So I, I, I'm so fortunate to have experienced that. It was such a fun place to work. I was working with all these fighter pilots. <laughs> And one of the best. Okay, yeah. Tell tell what the job is. So, what is NORAD? Explain that. Okay, so NORAD is the North American Aerospace Defense. It's a it's a combined um, operation between the, the United States and Canada, and we work together very closely, and um, we guard the skies all around all around the whole all of our north Canada's north and all the way down around the states, and yeah, it's a beautiful. Um, thing that um, shared thing that we do as two countries um, and my job was if you picture Star Trek I was I don't know it was O'Hara 
I was the communications officer. So I was always the one reporting on what the status of the radars and the radios were. So I worked in an operations center, which if you've ever seen NORAD, big, big screens, it's all dark. And uh, the dark was probably good, but I was in front of screens. And and so I had to be there first thing in the morning because we did a morning brief to the the two Canadian generals and the American general and all the colonels. And it was high, a little bit high stress um, to be such a junior officer and, you know, jumping into this. And um, so, yeah, real, I, but I loved it. I absolutely loved this job. It was physical because it was three floors, picture of figure eight. So just to go to the bathroom, you had to go, you know, around figure eight. You, you had to, you walked and walked and walked and no computers. So we, in that era, we walked to people's offices and had a conversation. We didn't send a, an email, right? And then computers came in my last, I guess, year and a half. And uh, that was interesting because I had my first neck pain and things like body pains you never had before computers. Mm. And then um, another perk I'll just share because it's fun um, was that because I worked with fighter pilots, they had to stay current on the jet. And I had this boyfriend that worked in a fighter base um, in on one of the operational bases. And he would fly, they would they'd come to me and say, you know, so are you free this weekend? Would it be a good weekend for your, your boyfriend to come? And later my fiance, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a great weekend. And so the, he would fly a jet there. We would spend the weekend together. And then <laughs> they would fly the jet on the weekend and get their hours. And then, um, and the other perk was that I got some, I got some back seats. So I got two F-18 rides and six T-Bird rides and absolutely. Oh, that's so fun. So How fun. incredible. And the one was the full one hour air to air combat mission. And I was an aerobics instructor at the time. Um, again, it's what I could do with my knee and my feet and I couldn't overdo it, but I, I did it. And anyways, super fun. So most exciting hour of my life. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that posting. Um, okay. So didn't, you know, struggled with the meat, str- again, struggled with the feet. But then my next, and, and dreamt of a window, right? Dreamt, we, we, that was a big joke. Oh, my next posting, I'm going to have a window. Right, because well, you're posting, underground. <laughs> underground, right? You know, so we'll get, hopefully get back to the light piece. But, um, and of course, a lot of electromagnetic radiation down there with all these massive, right. massive computers. That so how was it built? Was it, was it like a cave? Or was it? Yeah, they they so they dug down. There was a north portal and a south portal. You could mm-hmm. walk out the south portal. The north portal we took like a five minute bus. It, you know, it had certain times of day where the bus would go down and up. And okay. yeah, and they only dug what they needed to dig. So they only dug a figure eight, at, uh, in which they they put three levels. Um, okay. Yeah. So my fighter group was on the second level. Yeah. Okay. So we could fire one. Th- so you're in an underground bunker monitoring complex radar yeah so we've got all <laughs> you think of a worse health situation to be honest well and you know on a serious note like one of the gentlemen I used to sit beside there were mm-hmm. controllers he died of brain cancer and then a very good friend of mine um who had gone to Royal Roads Military College a twin no less yeah um died of a brain of um lymphoma Wow. At 38. And his his brother is, you know, held, who was the fighter pilot that lived above ground. Right. You know, um, very interesting. And then, of course, that also the other guy flew in AWACS with a radar. You know, that big radar, that plane has that big disc radar. So okay. I don't know 
healthy that is for the body too. So, right. yeah, so that was, those were wake up calls for me, right. That I was piecing together over the years. And so finally get to my next posting, no window. I'm like far away from a big, massive complex. I actually take my retirement. I, I don't love, I love the job I did for NORAD, it was, but it was very special. I don't, I didn't love telecommunications. Mm-hmm. Decided I wanted to, to work on injuries for other people because I had been getting, you know, through a lot of physiotherapy. Right. So retired and applied for, took a year of pre-med, mm-hmm. um, loved, loved that. And then my husband got posted to England on test pilot school and I finished my school, joined him. And then it, oh, and I forgot to mention that posting in Winnipeg, I was a mess, physical mess. I was, you know, for my first computer job, no window. Okay. You know, so I, I've got computer years Computer job in a cubicle, no window, which is the first job you've had after the job in the underground underground so I didn't catch up on right and I moved to winter peg so freezing cold winters we had a record winter so if anyone is not familiar with Canadian geography Winnipeg is very far north (laughs) well I live live north of Winnipeg but it's it's such so cold it's got this wind that builds up from Vancouver on I swear and so didn't get a lot of outdoor time on that I didn't catch up my light let's put it that way then moved to England a lot more light had some great vacations with the Maldives and Turkey diving and did some amazing things improved my feet started to see an improvement um me me started to see an improvement and then we got posted to Cold Lake Alberta so we're talking a lot more north northern Alberta and then I don't even know where that is I'm also Canadian. I will add for those listening. So I, I understand a lot of these places. I I'm, don't know Cold Lake, Alberta. Where, so. where are you from, Meredith? Where, where? I was born in Ottawa, um, but I grew up in Toronto from the age of about nine. Okay. Oh, there you go. We have yeah. a, a connection. Um, so then Cold Lake, that's when I got diagnoses. That's so... Things were building, I think. Um, okay. My first and what were you doing in Cold Lake, Alberta? Like, what was your day like? Were you working? Were you? So I was, yes. Um, I had I had taken some time off, obviously, in England. And so I, I was working in the field of telecommunications. I didn't get into physio. forgot to mention that. Didn't get in first try. We we had a little mountaintop discussion in England uh, where we we said if we'd try for kids because I was close to 30. And... And if it didn't, if we did, if it didn't work, then I would try for physio again the next year. Well, I folded his underwear, got pregnant. And, <laughs> yeah, so didn't, didn't, yeah, we, physio didn't happen. And um, two kids later, but after my first child, um, so I did work. I worked again in telecommunications and probably who knows what, a lot of non-native electromagnetic frequency right. in that. In that and like so. an office building? office building but it was all yeah. it was all the networks and tele running all the computers and, oh, and okay. engineering officer and then I yeah first baby about 11 months in I'm breastfeeding I'm so thin I I and I finally realized we'd hosted a christening I said to my husband I think I haven't slept for five nights I I something's wrong and he said Lord you know you you better get to a doctor and I had diarrhea I, and I was so thin. And I kept just saying this baby's just sucking the life out of me. I got to stop breastfeeding. And I went to the doctor and he called and he said, Laura, you better sit down. You, you have, you're heavy with parasites and you're hyperthyroid. 
Um, and he painted this picture that thyroid was a better organ. You know, it's better to hit that than, than say, pancreas, you know, diabetes. So the better diagnosis, you made me feel better about it. Yeah. And so then I, that was a tough one. That's probably the lowest health time of my life. I so pretty, was I, there a, a diagnosis? Like, the, what, did he? At that time, I did not have a Graves diagnosis. Okay. Um, no, they didn't. They just said hyperthyroid. Hyperthyroidism. Okay. And yeah, your hyperthyroidism. symptoms, you were, you were losing so, weight. You couldn't there, sleep. Yeah, losing, I lost some hair, I was super thin, diarrhea, anxiety, and insomnia. Terrible. And I, I'm, I'm going to go back in time. If I can just take you back to the underground complex, mm-hmm. I, I was having symptoms there and I started to lose my hair. I had really thick, beautiful, wavy hair. And I was losing my hair at age 22. And, wow. and I kept, they tested me. They tested me for thyroid, right? Didn't know what. Now flash ahead. Now I get this hyperthyroid. Well, now they're testing me for lupus and other serious conditions, which thank goodness you have. And so I, so I do a whole bunch of alternative stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And including, I didn't plan this one. I got pregnant again with my seven, (laughs) which I wasn't ready for. I'll be honest, because I was thinking I had like I just got my sleep back. Yeah. Um, But in that journey, that was where I alternative medicine played a role I discovered Reiki and things like that were helping me get to sleep and and so I went into remission thankfully and for three years I felt a lot better but again super north you know cold 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 winters and then I moved then we moved to Alabama and got got into the sunshine more light but again we were all wearing sunglasses and sunscreen right because we were told now you're really so this is this is dangerous sun compared to be careful. Be yeah. careful, right? And then, and I was good until just as we were moving to a fighter base, my husband was going to be commanding officer. I was a little stressed because it was a French base and it was a French squadron. And my French wasn't, I wasn't fully bilingual. I was functional. So I, that was playing a role, but I also had amalgams out Um early days of that so I don't know if that triggered something but uh, a couple of health scares I had a lump in my breast and and I went I'm in I became hyperthyroid um this time then they so did it came, a lot. Back. it came back and now in Quebec they did all this testing and I'm stressed because I, I can't ask every question to these doctors because I'm myself in my second language and I finally just said do the radioactive iodine treatment let's do the let's do the fix let's get this done and over with and I'll get on with my life Little did I know that all it did was give me another diagnosis of hypothyroidism. And now I'm on medication for life. And I'm still testing that all the time, but um, that theory, but, and uh, I never give up hope. So, so that was that. Um, And then, yeah, but the, but the physical stuff, the physical injuries improved because now I'm on a base where I walk everywhere. Everything's a short distance. I'm not driving. I'm outdoors a lot. I'm getting more light. I could see that with my young kids and I had dogs. And so I was just getting more light. And so it's funny how my, the physical, like my knee and my feet would get a little bit better as I would get more light. But that was something I pieced together. Then we get posted where back to Cold Lake and then eventually to Ottawa. Um, and so few, few more things though with that. So now I'm Okay, so then I work part time. I work uh, for wing operations by the tower, which the perk was all the fly, you know, all the retirements when the uh, 
when the fight got or if they got upgraded and flew 2000 hours, um, we'd get a we'd get a message. Hey, head up on the roofs because we get to see all the, the jets, you know, do the flybys by the tower. And it was it was a great, really fun, fun posting. And then so then we ended up coming to Ottawa. And in this time, I didn't mention I took massage therapy because I really had this passion for the body and learning. I couldn't do physio. I couldn't get physically close enough to a school. So I took massage over in a two-year format, um, like one year, eight, seven years later, took the second, and my body was broken at the end of both of those courses. And I realized I can't do this for a living. I'm going to have to go back to the Air Force, which financially was probably a good decision, <laughs> but I went back full-time to the Air Force. Then I lived, I found out at the end of that posting that there was a radar about a kilometer away, just going around and around. And I got a, a letter saying the building we were in had toxic mold, which is, you know, very interesting. Wow. Okay. And along this journey, I've just I've developed chemical sensitivities to perfumes was the was the biggest one and smoke. Um, and then my last Air Force job was really cool. It was foreign liaison, where I worked in, at our headquarters and I worked with all the military attaches. So these, they're people that have, they're like colonels that have been assigned from, I and I had a lot of African countries. So I had, yeah, in, in very Northern Africa. Cool. Oh, fun. Very cool job. Like diplomatic and job. Diplomatic. But the downside was we would organize visits. A lot of detailed event planning was really what it was. Oh. Um, and we would put on these like five-day visits with, I would get the a school from the Mexican Navy or I would get... Um, the the chief of the Swedish Air, or Air Force or the head of the Minister of National Defense from Israel, like really, really high level. Everything had to be perfect. Wore a Blackberry on my hip for, like for, for five days straight on vibration mode because you could never have a phone ring. Everything had to be seamless. Right. During these visits. And I developed phantom ringing, which is if you, I don't know if you know what that is, but um, after after the visits would end, it would be two weeks later, I'd have no cell phone on my body and I, I could feel the exact timing and the, the vibration of it. And it's a real thing, um, it's called oh. phantom ringing. So then I thought there's something here. And the other thing I noticed was the fluorescent lights. I couldn't handle them. They were mm -hmm. they were just some, there was something wrong. And one of my coworkers ended up, she ended up eventually um, getting chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm -hmm. She was, it was, I found that very interesting that she, she did that. So, and I, oh, and then in all of this, I tried health and I tried to do all these healthy things. Right. And I did pretty much everything through diet. So right. I, I started off with cutting out sugar. Then it became, you know, really clean eating. And that was, we were learning about all these toxins and food. Then it became the, the, I went down a really strong journey on the alkaline diet for about six, six, seven years became wow. very thin, very thin by the end of that. What's involved in the alkaline diet? What is that like? Um, so no meat, not really any fish. Um, you could you could do a little bit of fish. I was really strict. Um, um, a lot of nuts, uh, oils, a lot of the seed oils, um, and olive oil, big part of it, avocados, vegetables, the primary. It's all about vegetables and greens. Greens, 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 lots of greens. It's super plant-based, very light on the protein. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I just want to pause for a moment because I, I really want to make sure 
that the audience, especially someone who's a little bit new to what we're talking about, is understanding why we're going into such detail on Laura's work history, right? Because from a quantum biologic perspective, like when we think about um, how the body works through that lens, the environment that we put our body in and the type of exposure that our body receives in that environment is the absolute most critical thing. So for anyone listening, what we're doing is we're tracing Laura's symptoms and tying them into the environment that her body was in when those symptoms showed up. And I love you as a case study because I mean, if you've, if anyone's listened this far, they obviously know you are an extremely diligent person, mm-hmm. right? So when you say you did the alkaline diet, I like did it. you did the alkaline diet. And I, I know that about you. And so, and if you say that you, and then I did the medical medium diet, healed them. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Like, so if you say you used food to heal, I know because of how you are that you did, you took it and did it as like as thoroughly at it as it is possible to do, right? And the healing results were not there. No. And in fact, they created created, yeah. they created some new ones. In, right. Okay, yeah. And in yes. fact, they did some new ones. Yes. Yeah. So okay. one being black. Because you hadn't yet tied your symptoms into your environment. And you have such like an incredible, your work history is just so interesting to me, especially starting off with the underground bunker and going through and being exposed to such extreme frequencies in all of your jobs. So I just, I really wanted to highlight that for anyone listening, because there is a reason we are going through all of this. And hopefully it inspires people listening to do the same thing, right? It's like, I can, where, what was I doing all day when that pain started? What was happening? Where was I working when this thing started? Like, oh, and then I meant to do something that was supposed to help me get better, like this highly restrictive diet and things got worse, but my environment stayed the same. Like, so these are all the types of clues that we, that we're picking up. And Laura, your, your I case- think- just yeah. so instructive. I can sort of, I'll try and sum it up. Um, first of all, the quote, I got this quote off of this podcast um, with Dr. G, who was on one of my courses. Um, Every disease is a result of a mismatch between your environment and your biology. And that is truly what happened in my, I think in my case. So right. it started with the lack of natural light underground for years yeah. and being this diligent person I, and I, I don't read as fast as other people. It takes me a little longer. So I would use my lunch breaks to finish up my work or stay later. So picture going in before sunrise, briefing the generals. Other people would go up and play tennis they'd, or they'd walk out the South Portal. You know, I didn't do that. I stayed down there or I taught aerobics to a class down, you know, never. I wouldn't. And in winter, I didn't come up till six. I never saw light, natural, any natural light. So that was breaking one of mother nature's paws, right? right. Um, and then the toxic blue light, so obviously screens eventually, but probably the light, probably fluorescent lighting all the whole time, right? All day long. And then flash ahead, to the, I couldn't tolerate that fluorescent lighting at the end of my career, which is interesting. Um, I became a night owl. I'm just typically a night owl because it's this quiet time. I can diligently do my little work. Um, and then, um, the anesthesia, that two hours, but I now know through quantum biology that destroys 
the, it's the collagen and dehydrates the collagen. So that could have triggered the hair loss and all these things. Um, and then big EMF environments, obviously underground, but the BlackBerry on the hip, uh, the radar station, fighter bases, all those radars are always was around me, right? And then I was a chronic snacker. So I was probably leptin resistant and I ate late. Um, and that that actually started military college. They fed us peanut butter and sandwiches at 10 o'clock at night called Kai every night. That started that habit. So anyway, all that circadian mismatch, mitochondrial, right. we call it mitochondrial dysfunction. So my those little guys, those little organelles, I was damaging those. My gut clocks were off. So I eventually started having um leaky gut syndrome, then the parasites, right? That led to that. Hormone dysregulation, there was my thyroid. For me, it presented as thyroid as opposed to, some people get it as a dream fatigue. Um, the mood, I would say the mood, if it was a mood issue, it was anxiety. I, I, I hid anxiety, I think, at work. Um, disrupted sleep, that was the insomnia. Um, and then the EMF and chemical sensitivities came out of that. And then my eyes were getting worse. And I forgot to mention that I, I wore contacts. Um, I would wear, I couldn't wear them at work because all, probably all those electromagnetic frequencies and toxic light, it was too dry. I had dry eyes, um, which was a symptom I didn't realize. And then as soon as I left work, contacts in. So my eyes never saw natural light. Ever. Never. Never, wow. right? For many, many years. And I did have LASIK, which is another problem because there's gravitational lensing issues with that. Anyway, and then of course the joint the tendons, the muscles, and then eventually got a, a bone, low bone density diagnosis at a young age, in my mid thirties, which was really disturbing to me because I drank my milk every every meal, and and I see that now as quantum dehydration. Right. So, and I didn't. It all the aha moment came when I took the first level of the Applied Quantum Biology Foundations course. When you put a slide up. And it was an equation and it was healthy. So healthy light plus, let me get, am I sure I'm going to get it right here? Yeah. Toxic, I think, yeah. Increase healthy light. Light and decrease toxic, decrease light, toxic light. Light, yeah. light, which is both blue light and electromagnetic frequencies like our cell phones and Wi-Fi and all that will equal optimal health. And I use that slide in all my workshops now and I teach it to all my clients because it's so simple. It comes right down and it ties back to the every disease is a, you know, a result of a mismatch, right? Okay. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I was thinking of getting rid of that slide. I'll keep it. <laughs> no, no. It's so, I use it and I've got it. Yeah, no, I love that. Okay. Yeah. And I think what also, you know, that, that slide brings up an important topic, right? Is that when I, when you say to somebody like, oh, it turns out margarine is bad for you, right? They can mentally take it out of the health food column and put it into the junk food column. But when right. we talk about light, people, there aren't even columns, right? People there, there's not even a paradigm of toxic light. We just oh. think like, if it's bright, I can see if it's dark, I can't see. Right. <laughs> So I think, yeah, what, just raising that is, is really Healthy important. light is your window open at least yeah. or outside, you know? Yeah. So yeah. So break that down. So healthy light is. So there's, yeah, there's good light and bad light. Um, and actually I, I 
in my workshops, I stole a slide from John. I give him, I give him credit, but he so simply, John Warner, he's on our course. He so simply said good light, bad light. And then he actually made a little category for less good light, which is <laughs> the some man-made to say, okay, halogens are better than LEDs, for example, right? That LEDs are definitely in the bad light. Yeah. 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 So. Right. Yeah. From so quantum biology explains circadian biology, and we recently discovered that circadian rhythm controls every process in the body, and circadian rhythm is controlled by natural light. light. So you are effectively cut off from the the from main programmer light. of your body's systems for years. Now, okay. the, the, on the good side, I did skin and gain. I've always loved the sun. I've always okay. loved that. It was the era of sun. Right. And that, right, back to noticing the effect of the environment when you were on vacation, your symptoms were reduced. You felt better. Yes, yes. And I and summers, I think I felt better in North Bay that I would, you know, that underground posting because I would spend weekends. I had a dock. I was living in a rundown cottage. And, yeah. and But I was driven to the sun. I can remember one time, a highlight of my life, it was April and it was, I, I thought this memory came up last night thinking about this podcast. It, it was an unusual day. It was like 20 degrees um, yeah. in April. The lake was still frozen that I lived on. And I headed out in, on my cross-country skis and I turned around, came back in, put my bathing suit out on with my <laughs> sunglasses, of course, went out and I skied for like an hour with my bathing suit on. Didn't care if any, who saw me? I was in winter early spring which is winter early spring and I remember that being such obviously I now know now it's an opiate yes. it. but yes. I was probably so starved of vitamin d that my I was just that was my body yes. that took me back to the house put the bathing suit on said I don't care who sees sees you doing this but you're gonna get wow. this you just had like an intuition you're like, I, I yeah. need every part of my body as much as possible out in this light not yes. even knowing but, why. And that time I had no suntan lotion because I was a April, but I'm still in that era, we were the copper tone, you know, the oil, it was these thick, thick oils that smelled really nice and, and smelled like coconuts. And we would lather our bodies with a, a SPF four or an SPF of eight. So I still got some light, but I don't know how much through the skin. All right. So, okay. So let's get up to present and then I'd love for you to share your, your take on explaining this to a newcomer. Okay. okay. So we did in an effort to heal the symptoms that we now understand were caused by your environment. You did what we all do, which is to change your diet, uh, in a very intense way. So kudos wow. to you. I found this cause I, I, I can't, I can't be this intense about food. There must be something else I can do. Um, yeah. And it turns out that something else was not to read iPad on factory settings with my naked eyes before bed. Who knew? Um, <laughs> and then I'd be like, why my chronic fatigue's getting worse. It was getting better. And now it's getting worse. Um, Cause I would, you know, when we don't know, we don't know. We just like oh, sort of make a change and then all of a sudden everything gets worse and we don't understand why that's what, I love this information because it does fill in so many of those mystery mm -hmm. uh, mysteries that we can't figure out about our health. Okay. So the alkaline diet, the medical medium diet, then what happened? 
Okay. So, so the alkaline diet, I learned a lot about electromagnetic free frequencies and radiation. Mm, okay. I, I became an instructor after I took, um, I forgot to mention, I took uh, natural nutrition, holistic okay. nutrition that really enjoyed that. Yeah. Found, found my tribe there. And I was uh, working as a, like a, um, I was instructing that towards the end. And I, I realized, like, as I was watching, they, they weren't mentioning it, it at all, electromagnetic frequencies. And I, so I, I built a workshop. Whenever I get curious about something, I, and I'm intensely curious, um, I build a workshop. So that's why I have so many workshops on so many stuff. <laughs> it's how I, it's where I put the information and then yeah. oh, I can teach this. And then in teaching you, you, you learn, right? Yeah. So I started teaching these workshops on electro. Because, and it's, it came from that phantom ringing, right? The fluorescent lights and wondering about, hey, is there a danger to all this? And um, so, and then somewhere in there, I heard, the, the Ben Greenfield, I think it was that podcast with Dr. Jack Cruz and okay. went and, and heard truth, right? Just heard truth and started, I signed up to his blog and, uh, okay. or, or so heard Dr. Jack Cruz on Ben Greenfield's podcast. And he was talking about health from a completely different perspective. What, what did he say where you went? Oh my God. <laughs> well, I think it might've been the electromagnetic frequencies and worried about this upcoming fight it might have been 5g i mean i've listened to so many of his yeah. podcasts. um yeah i'm a huge follower of his and you know my diligence right i'll just find every every you know and i'll write notes like i literally transcribe what he says and then i process it and it goes part, parts or quotes in workshops and um yeah it would be my dream for him to see one of my workshops one day to see how many slides he's in and how many pictures of him i have and how many of his <laughs> he makes my workshops i swear um, yes, okay. no, Dr. Cruz's work is like hugely influential and opened our so many of our eyes to how our bodies really work. But I don't think we would know about for decades if it wasn't for him. Yeah. And then um, thanks, Jack. <laughs> thanks. Thank you, Uncle Jack. Um, and then, but I wasn't, you know, honestly, I, I, the blue blocker thing, I was starting to get the light. So I'd ordered the big ones that went around, you know, big, ugly for $5 or whatever glasses. I was starting to see the light picture, but then so I you heard, listen to Dr. Cruz and you're like, oh, it's not just about the food. I also have to do yeah, I was learning care of my light and my electromagnetic frequency environment. Yeah. So I, I really so had your, your two key takeaways. Yeah. Those I was, matter. I really got the electromagnetic piece. And in fact, I've, okay. I've now built a series. I just finished this year, like in four parts of you know basics what are the risks how to mitigate I now test homes I've really taken that piece uh, um and then and then I, I tried very hard to build one called building resiliency to electromagnetic frequencies which is a lot of this right um you know but I I'm struggling with I struggled with the workshop because I'm not so sure with today's frequencies what we can actually build these ones I, I I really want I I'm going to ask him if I ever get a chance to say is that an oxymoron <laughs> should I just you know take that workshop and throw it out but anyway um so then something was on a Friday and I can't remember how I saw this message about this the course that you've started and I just I got so excited and I I didn't know how much of this thing was going to cost and I went no no I have to contact her and so we had our little 15 minute consultation and I just that night I was on the course they didn't, I didn't even know it started that night and, <laughs> and I just made like after day one I don't I think it was week one maybe day one I 
that was it. That was the change that I needed because I just made a, a commitment to myself that I'm getting shivers here, um, that I wouldn't miss another Sunday. I never got that picture after hearing Jack talk about, you know, be like the Sphinx and all of that, right? So that started that, finally started that journey and um, love the course. Saddening on it twice. Um, <laughs> I think I'm there for every live that I can make. Um, and have just learned learned so much from the instructors and from the the course mates as well. And um, and now you've inspired me to to capture studies. That's been another journey. It's been mm. really good um, capturing the studies and and then level two is another whole. Oh my goodness, that was something else too. So I feel so privileged to have learned all that. Yeah, and now teach it to other people. Yes, and <clears throat> now you are teaching it in your own right. So give us a little teaser. Like we'll keep it, we'll keep it high level for a general audience, but walk us through um, some of what you now teach. Okay, so it came out of COVID. Um, it, you know, we were all kind of shut, you know, locked in our homes and stuff. And I I, I kind of lost my zest for my holistic nutrition. Um with that experience for a number of reasons, but I won't, I won't get into that. Um, and I, you know, could have been because it was missing the quantum biology piece. And when I learned it, it was like, oh my God, the world needs to hear, needs to know this piece because we're trying so hard with our food, you know, and our exercise um, and our stress levels and our, you know, our modality, like our energy modalities, you know, to get this like massaging and, to try and get, you know, the trauma work and all of this, but it's missing the fundamental where we truly should start. And I, of course, heard that message from Dr. Jack Cruz for years, but it just, and some, some through the alkaline diet, I have to say, to give it a lot of credit. Um, and so, yeah, well, then I lost the question. Um, just where, okay, so where I, where I'm now. And so, yeah, so I think it was 2022. I just made a little, I said, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to build, I'm going to build a series. It started off with just one because it was our course assignment. And I did, you know, what it was quantum biology 101. And then I went, well, there's so much more. I haven't told them anything about sunlight or anything about blue light. So then the next one became sunlight. I call it sunlight protocol, very much based on Heather Shepard's sunlight RX. Okay, great. Give us a little sunlight. Walk us through some key things we should know about sunlight. Oh, so we're, just, so we're for the audience for an audience member who's just been through this whole journey, and they're like, "Why does she care so much about where her office is, and why does she care so much about not going outside?" Tell us why you care so much. <laughs> so much because, in one sentence, we are batteries made of water charged by sunlight. It's that simple. If you're not getting out in natural light, you're not charging the battery. And it's it's going to slowly, slowly, you're gonna slowly get the symptoms. Um, so if you, it, you, if you have a light deficiency, that is mal-illumination, it's a, it's a deficiency. Yeah, and you're gonna get malfunction, if that's another simple way to talk about it. So I just, I break it all down, the four step chronological order, getting the sunrise, then working into UVA, UVB, which we're all terrified of getting our UV light. And yet it does these fundamental things through these aromatic amino acids in the eyes to make our hormones, make our neurotransmitters, program our sleep for that night 
Um, and so had I known this, I would have been out, you know, sudden if I, I could have got some UV light, you know, back in the day when I had debilitating insomnia, I could have cured it had I known what I know now, of course, right? So um yeah, so I think about it. Yeah, that's anyway, I, I build it and then I, I really get into sunscreens, the sunblockers, right? All those nuances of what to do about sunscreen, like sunglasses, sunscreens, skin cancer, show a lot of studies, you know? Yeah. So it's fills in those holes. So, the, so, so we're batteries. We are charged by sunlight. Every phase of the light throughout the day is important. Yeah. It does a different it's role. Important and does plays a different role in our overall health. And so when we block the sun by being inside, by being underground, by wearing sunscreen by wearing sunglasses what are we doing like what are we doing to our health when we block that light so i guess i should bring it back to the mitochondria these are these little organelles in all of our cells and they're sensors they're environmental sensors they sense everything they sense temperature through the air we breathe um but the light fundamentally through our skin and through our through our eyes they they find out where Laura is in time and space. So she's at the 45th latitude um, on this, June 13th. And, and so without getting that signal from the, the light um, th through the eye, it's a non-visual, it's not take away vision. There's a non-visual pathway and it goes up into our brain to this wonderful uh, time crystal in our brain called the SCN, supercosmic nucleus, and it's our master clock, and it has to run faster than the rest of the body, just like the GPS in the sky has to be 0.38 seconds faster than all of our cell phones, or we might try and drive from Canada, drive from Ottawa to Toronto and end up in Barrie, north of Toronto, you know, because you didn't, if you don't have all those clocks, the, the the, the master clock running faster than all these clock. We have clock genes all through our body. This is all very new, probably in the last 10 years of our research. Mm -hmm. And so it's so much about timing. And if you're timing, it's chronobiology. They, the saying yeah. is timing is everything. So right. you have to get really work on that timing. And it's all tied in with this, the eye, the pathway to this master clock. And then to all these clock genes and to the mitochondria and everything has to work in sync and sum it up you want to be synced with the sun if you're not synced with the sun you're going to have you're going to it's going to lead to dis-ease in the body perfect summary we need to be synced with the sun if we're not synced up with the sun we yeah. will pay the price yeah and you could get into more details, like the you know, getting the sunlight in the in the UVA light. Let's say that eight to ten a.m. ish light produces this this um, hormone serotonin that eventually gets translated into melatonin. That's our half serotonin. We think of it as our happy um, neurotransmitter, and it goes to melatonin, which is actually the guardian angel of all of our mitochondria. So again, it all goes back to you know protecting those beautiful mitochondria, and it's that's like the ultimate self care is loving on your mitochondria and syncing up with the sun. So and then so then you asked me about the other workshops. So the next one is blue is I call it the blue light protocol. 
very, again, very based off what I learned from our CEO of uh, Viva Rays, Rudy Nassif. And so very much I tell his journey because I think his journey is so, his health journey is, is another great case study. Right. And yes. just a little, just a little insert. We have a podcast with him back towards the beginning around episode Oh yeah, two or listen, four or something. Listen to that; it's so good. Oh, his son, yeah, he's so wonderful, and um, he's the first Canadian. You, you're the first Canadian pioneer, quantum biology pioneer. He's, I guess, he's the second, or maybe I'm the third somewhere there. <laughs> Who knows? But um, so yeah, tell tell that whole blue light story, and you know, not so much the electro, not so much the electromagnetic frequencies. I really focus on the light. And getting your lighting better and, it te- you know, giving people technologies, <laughs> funny enough, the hacks to help. Okay, if you're going to have to be on a computer screen at night, how can you do that the safest way? Right. Without that's that's the flip side of the sun being our source of health is that artificial light at night. So we cut off from the sun, we're going to get sick. But even if we're getting sun, if we're also getting artificial, bright artificial light at night, we're yeah. still putting, throwing all those clocks you just beautifully described into total chaos. <laughs> and the mitochondria, I think it's solar noon. If you've got a light above your head and then the blue from the screen. So that's a complete circadian mismatch that causes chaos from a physics perspective, which mm-hmm. from a medical perspective will turn into inflammation. And that can present in many different forms. It can present as thyroid disease. It could present as plantar fasciitis, um, you know, or it could, or in other cases, it could be weight. I yes. think a lot of people don't understand. And diabetes, we we actually know there's a clear. You can you can become diabetic from blue light, and that's that was a big wake up call for me. Wow! Could so you quickly happy. explain how that could happen? Because I know when I first heard that blue light at night was the same thing as like drinking a Coca Cola or eating an ice cream sundae. I, you know what? I, I wish I I wish but, I had a slide. I have the slide. I'm going to refresh on it, but I have a beautiful slide that's it's from from Dr. Cruz, I think, and it shows the light bulb, a big bright light, and at the end you've got this person, I think, that's got diabetes at the end. But I can't off the top of my head right now. I'm I'm freezing on it. Um, you know, it affects the blood sugar. It does affect the the, the blood sugar um, through cortisol. It's it's definitely through a cortisol link, and then that elevated cortisol eventually. It's funny enough, we, you know. Getting the, the that wrong light at the wrong time is, you know, throwing off all of those, you know, the clocks, the, and probably in the end, it's it it it's throwing off the the clock in the pancreas, fundamentally. Um, yeah. So, and and so that master clock, that that pancreas clock is running faster than the master clock once you throw that rhythm off. So to get that back, just change your light. You know, sure, it would be great to take out, to go low carb, right? Maybe a low carb diet and, and cut the breads and sugars, obviously, the, you know, but and it, it, uh, it would probably happen faster. But what if you just changed all your lighting? You know, you might prevent prediabetes. You know, if you're diabetic, you, you know, you may, yeah, I think you have to do some, probably some, some stronger things and things in combination, but. So there's that. Then I do the next workshop is quantum sleep. So I just went down a rabbit hole on sleep and ended up with a full workshop. So, and I think sleep is so important because those mitochondria, 
the, the timing through all our circadian biology are meant to go into this regeneration phase in the middle of the night. And so they do this, they do like this dishwasher cleaning, let's call it, and maybe change, changing the engine oil. Um, so, and we've got these fancy terms for those autophagy and apoptosis, not to be considered lightly because they really need to happen because if they're not happening, your mitochondria are not healthy. And if apoptosis, the cell replacement is not happening, that can lead to cancer. So now I have clients, I have clients coming to me, you know, with cancer diagnoses and um, I'm working on all these things, right? They yeah. need, they need these. That's why it's, I, I just appeal to people to get a quantum biology coach, no matter where you, you, you know, find one, because it's a miss. It is a miss. It could be a missing piece. I think it is a missing piece. Um, and it's, I think it plays a huge role in prevention of it coming back and hopefully Sleep. preventing it. Well, no, quant this the addressing the quantum biology. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and of course it's getting quality up. sleep, yeah, is the quality it's sleep. sort of like the, the one of the key outcomes of having a, a circadian regulated life is that you get the kind of sleep that heals and restores. You get you start to sleep like a baby again. You really yeah. do. It's um, so interesting. Like everyone, you know, I talked to the, these podcasts on different topics, right? And it's like Oh, it turns out that every single mental illness is tied back to sleep disruption. Oh, and Dr. Michael Twyman is saying like the absolute best, most key thing to do to prevent a heart attack is to get good quality sleep. Right. And that now you're saying to prevent cancer, get good quality sleep. Like right. we've just in the way that we massively underestimate what light is doing to us. We massively underestimate why we need to sleep. And, and I'll bring it back. a little bit glamorized people who yeah. are able to like, I grew up with a father who was always like, I don't know what everyone's talking about. I only need five hours <laughs> and like, okay, right. Let's so that idea. Yeah. Um, you can function. Some yeah, people function. Like, oh, really I'll sleep well. when I'm dead. Right. Like we'll just keep going and going and going. Um, but it's, and the it's timing awesome. of your sleep was important too. A lot of people are staying up their night owls. Like I was, mm -hmm. I've had a transition through this course and, uh, it's getting that, that the earlier you get to sleep, those processes, you know, there's a certain timing for these processes. And if you right. blow it, you're blowing it, right? You need to actually. So what, so if, so I'm just, you know, thinking of people who are listening to this, they're like, I can't do that. Or my job's like this. And it's like, you know, you could just sort of do what you can, right? Like if you work in an office with window windows and you can just go outside and get a little bit of sun. So if you're someone who likes to stay up late, let's say you are going to take, pick three nights a week to get like a perfect circadian sleep. What time should I, we, what time should we stop eating? What time should we go to bed? And what, and when should we wake up? Oh, okay. We'll wake up with a sunrise, right? All right. Right. And then go to bed. Not, you know, aim for nine. Yeah. nine o'clock and by the time you get all your processes done husband says I have a lot of processes um you know <laughs> it might be 10 o'clock but you know I you know it's and I think it's it, it, everything it's relative it changes with the year you know yeah. um so living in Colt Lake we didn't I mean we had it was bright until 11 30 at night so we didn't feel like we wanted to sleep now you know I think you in this there is a, a place to say that we don't need maybe as much sleep in the summer as we do in the winter, we kind of go into this hibernation, you know, mode. Right. So there is some playroom there with the timings. But yeah, I would say that the, like 
you know, I'd like to see people asleep at 10 o'clock at night if I could. Yeah. Yeah. And um, okay, so, so just generally, I'm like, I'm listening to this. I'm like, I don't know what these ladies are yammering on about, but okay, I'm going to devote, I'm going to devote a couple nights a week to make sure I have circadian optimized cycle. So I'm going to go to bed in a dark room by 10 o'clock. And when I wake up, I'm going to go right outside. Ideally, sleep mask, sunrise yeah. sleep mask might be helpful, right? Because all, because our body is going through all of these certain processes, which we evolved doing and it's only in the last 30 seconds we've thrown all these stressors at our body light at night and brightness and all these different things and our our bodies are unable to cope with it really mm-hmm. yeah and i and just bringing it back to sunrise if you're stressing about i'm not tired by 10 start doing sunrises and especially yeah. this for for where i live this is the hardest month of the year um, I did a leptin uh, reset with Sarah Kleiner, another graduate, and it was tough. It was five, it's 515, you know, and so I was struggling in June this time last year when I did a leptin reset with her. Um, but when you do that, guess what? You're going to be tired because and, yes. you, and you're and you're programming your sleep. The minute you see that morning light, there's a signal through the blue light that you see in that morning light that goes up to that time, you know, that, that, that clock in the brain um, to say, okay, 12 hours from now, that's when the melatonin is going to re- release. Um, and so if you, then you start to play with the blocking the blue light to make sure that that melatonin, you know, dim the lights or blue blockers or whatever you do, you know, get off screens. And uh, yeah. yeah. And then another, so good night sleep starts first thing in the morning. Yeah, it does. That's a great way to sum that up. It absolutely does. And then the last um, workshop is is the one I put off forever, being a nutritionist for so many years. I'm actually coming up to my 10th anniversary next year. So I've been focusing so much on food. I didn't want to do quantum nutrition. I I think you might remember during the course, I was asking everybody, what do you, what do you guys eat for breakfast? Because I'm like the plant-based person. <laughs> And so I had a long journey. It took me a year and, but it was so worth it to do that um, workshop because it made me go down different rabbit holes of deuterium and glyphosate. And what do they do? The mitochondria and right. the seasonal eating and the local eating and um, uh, plant-based versus, you know, just going through a lot of those questions I had in my mind. So what are the key changes that you made from say the alkaline type diet, which was heavily plant-based, what do you eat generally speaking now? And how do you make those decisions just generally? Okay. You know, get well, one deep. thing I'll say that came out of the, the alkaline diet was I had bladder and the medical medium diet, I would say. Medical medium is a lot for, of fruit. For people who don't know the medical medium diet, that's the one where you drink a lot of um, celery juice? Yes, celery juice. Okay. Um, I did a ton of, I coached people on liver cleanses where you're doing these spinach soups and a mm. lot of fruit like tropical a lot of tropical tropical fruit okay but I'm not I'm not saying that these things don't work I yeah. think they could work if you live in the right environment for them but in Canada where I live at the 45th latitude mm-hmm. those things don't grow here ever and right. so I if that the electromagnetic light code that's in those fruits let's say was and I'm I'm doing this liver cleanse, let's say in November, which I, I did, and wondering why my 
I'm so bloated. I can barely, you know, get to the bath, like bathroom in time. I'm having these terrible, you know, um, problems with my bladder. Um, so that was one of my drivers to go. There's got to be another way here. So now how I eat, I, I call it the quantum sunlight diet. I got it down to three words or quantum nutrition or the sunlight diet. Heather Shepard has coined a name. I think she calls it the sunlight diet. Yeah. Um, and really all it, I mean, it's a number of things, but it's fundamentally based. You should be eating foods that are grown, that there's a, again, back to the, that's matching your biology to the environment. So the light code that's in the foods is going to, is, is your, your own mitochondria down when you get to the tiny quantum, which means electron, photon, proton, the tiny, tiny quantum means tiny packet at that atomic subatomic level that they, they'll actually read it's like a barcode reader and it can read the barcode. But when you, when it, when you put the barcode from somewhere down in Costa Rica, let's say the banana that comes from Dole in Costa Rica, it, it just doesn't compute. And then that's causing a back to the whole chaos in terms right. of physics turns into inflammation. Right. And back to what we were discussing earlier, where it all really depends on your environment. So someone might have yes. a diet that works beautifully with a client who lives in Florida, but they try that with a client who lives in North Dakota and the results are totally different because our environment affects. Yeah. And I, like I, I know people that, that eat the alkaline diet down in the Caribbean. I have a colleague and she's thriving and thriving with like, you know, a pretty strong diagnosis. Um, right. She's, she's overcome incredible hurdles with her health. Um, on but that she's topic. living at, at the equator with a stable light environment. Yes. So and she can exist on this largely plant-based. Yes. Yeah, and she can yes. do okay. And thrive. Okay, so just quickly, meat and fish, just to round out. Yes. Yes. Lots of meat and fish. Lots of meat and fish. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I, so I'm, yeah. I, no, more I, mostly I, vegetarian. That's not happening. What, no. Since you, I, I know how much breakfast research you did. What do you... What is your favorite breakfast right now? You know what? I learned it from Sarah. I do her sausage casserole, um, but we're playing. I play with it. I change it up in all different. Flavors. Tell us what that is. I'm I'm unfamiliar with Sarah's Kleiner's sausage so casserole. <laughs> so you um, cook up a bunch of sausages. Yeah. You put them in a in a food processor so that it's like it's like mincemeat. Like okay. Yeah. And then you put it. It's so simple. You you just oil a, a Pyrex. Mm-hmm. Put it in. Take about twelve between twelve and eighteen eggs. Mix them all up, pour it over, cook it in the oven for 35 to 45 minutes, and you're set. Oh, that sounds great. I've, I struggle getting my children to eat enough protein in the morning. I'm going to try I'm gonna try the sausage casserole. Oh, and then she, she just keeps it in the fridge. Yeah, um, and you can just cut little, cut a little yeah. square and heat it up. Exactly. I got a puppy to take on more light. And it works. So my morning, instead of being outside for like 10 minutes in the morning, I'm now outside for 45 and it's changed. I mean, I thought I was, I thought my sleep was good. I thought my energy was good because compared to where it was <laughs> in previous years, it's, it is, but wow. So yeah. So I've t- yeah. Yeah, taken Any, on. Yeah. Anything oh, anyone well. can do. Like if you have a dog, you are on the quantum superhighway. Like that is a huge, oh, I love and it. if they need to go, you know, do the walk in the morning. Right. If, even yes. if it's a dog, he'll just go in the backyard and pee and come back in the house. Like 
schedule the morning walk, it has been a game changer for me. And I thought I I was already pretty doing pretty well (laughs) in my circadian optimization, but yeah, huge difference. All right. All right, Laura. So any sort of final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with us from your incredible journey through all of these different environments and all of this different learning? I would just say, I saw, I, I used this as a slide to sum up my quantum biology 101 class, which I teach, I taught the seniors, by the way, and they, they just get it, right? Because they used to live it's so neat to see. They just, yeah. they just get it. So I noticed cool. that people who were, yeah, who were born like in the 40s and 50s, they didn't grow up with this demonizing of the sun. And so you and say, they, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I spent my childhood outside. And they're the first to point out like the addiction to the cell phones. Yes. Really interesting. Um, I would just say I, the slide that I have, there's that half truth, let food be thy medicine. I think in my journey, I thought that for so long. And I've now, I think it's a half truth. I think there, I think food is important. It, right. Yes. And it so can the be idea, important. let food be thy medicine, end of story. Yeah, is, it's, it's, it's half, only half the truth. Half the truth. And I would try to, I'll give you a couple iterations. I'd like to see it move towards let light, water, and magnetism be thy medicine and thy medicine be light water magnetism or if we just want to make it simple let quantum biology be thy medicine and thy medicine be quantum biology lovely i love that yes and if anyone wants to learn more if they're in the ottawa area they can go to one of laura's workshops or they can look you up online where do we find you laura so my website is laura kissman wellness Kissman has two S's and two N's dot com. And I'm on I'm on Facebook, but I the quantum stuff, I just love Instagram. I find it's it 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 sums me up. I can only write so much. Yeah. And it's always is kind of a picture. I like that idea. And so I'm I'm at LK Wellness for my that's my handle. I'm on Twitter. But, but Instagram is my name. So LK Wellness on the socials, especially Facebook yeah. and Laura Kissman, two S's, two N's, wellness.com. All right. Thank you, Laura. And I just, I just want to sum up uh, in terms of gratitude is to thank you, Meredith. And I'll try not to cry, but um, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, you've, you've changed my health trajectory through this. Um, and with that experience and knowledge, I'm now changing the health trajectory of, of others. And it's, there's no better job in the world. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate that. You're so welcome. Keep on your journey. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. 
We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.